0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 33. Today, I'm going to uncover the six big lessons I learned growing a six-figure photography business over the last six years. Now, I also wanted to let you know that coming up very soon, we are going to have five live free trainings on how I doubled my photography income in less than two years while working less. You can register today at photowebinar.com and there are five live free trainings complete with Q&As at the end. I really want to hang out with you live. This is your chance. We won't do this again until fall. So join me Tuesday, April 4th through Thursday, April 6th, pick one of the five trainings, show up, let's hang out, and we will talk all about how I doubled my photography income in two years while working less. Again, you can join me at photowebinar.com. Spots are going to fill up really fast, so jump on it today, sign up, and we'll get to hang out super soon. Without further ado, let's dive on into today's episode. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by Honeybook. Honeybook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. Honeybook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash Gold Digger to get started and get your life back today. Hello, hello friends. It is Jenna Kutcher and today I am going to lead you through one of the most in-depth episodes of the Gold Digger podcast we've ever had. And I'm really excited to share some of the behind the scenes lessons that I have learned over the last six years growing a six figure photography business. And I'm just really excited to kind of open the dialogue about some of those things that you might be going through and hopefully provide some insight as you continue to grow whatever business it is that you are in. I'm really especially excited to talk specifically about my photography business, because while I am mostly known as a photographer, this podcast hasn't necessarily been a place that I shared a ton of my photography background. And so as a business owner and a girl boss, I'm just really excited to talk you through where I started and how I grew and of course, dissect some of the biggest lessons that I learned along the way. So Today's episode is six lessons I learned growing a six-figure photography business, and we are going to dive on in. So before I start off with the lessons, I just want to give you a little background. So I went to college for business and communication, and I had a minor in economics, and I really thought, like in the core of my being, that I was going to do the corporate America route. I always teased that I wanted to wear a power suit and high heels, which is almost laughable because now I live in yoga pants and slippers, but that was kind of what my mind was set on, and I... I thought about being this powerful businesswoman, but I guess I just never even imagined that it would look like it looks today, which is recording this episode on my couch in our attic space. So what I'm really excited about is that a lot of times we start following people or we look up to people and we forget like, oh, where did they start? Like this is not an overnight thing. This has been six years in the making. So when I got out of college... I got a job at one of the leading retailers in the country, and I was doing HR for them. And I actually really enjoyed HR. I loved practicing being type A since it was something that I needed to learn. And I loved communicating with people and working with a team. But I quickly realized as I was climbing up this ladder that I didn't really like that ladder. And it just wasn't for me. I was working super long days. I was working weekends and holidays, and I never was able to mentally disconnect from work. So while I was working 10 to 11 or maybe even 12-hour days out on that commute and then tack on the mental toll that it was taking on me, I was really burnt out and just... Unhappy, And I don't want to say I was unhappy just because of this job. I think that happiness can be a choice at times. And I did. I loved my team. I loved the people I was working with. But I think I knew that if I stayed on that path, while I might have had what was, you know, doned by our society as a successful career, it wouldn't have been fulfilling to me. And so that was red flag number one. Now, at the time, I was really young. I was 22 when this all began, and it took me one full year to leave that job and match my salary as a photographer, which, surprise, surprise, I had never taken a single art class in my life. So, how the heck did all of this happen? Well, Drew and I were planning our wedding. I went out and purchased a camera on Craigslist for $300 because I wanted to kind of document the things that we were doing in our lives. So we were planning our wedding. We had showers and parties and all that kind of fun stuff. We also were training for a full marathon, which we ran together. And I just figured, you know, I finally have some money. Let's buy a camera and it'll all just kind of be documented. Well, it turns out that that $300 investment was my one-way ticket out of corporate America, but I didn't know that. The good thing is, is that I went to school for business and I really enjoyed studying business. The downfall was that I was studying corporate business and not necessarily entrepreneurial business. And they're very different, although they have a lot of similarities. So once I started taking pictures on my camera and really enjoying it and finding myself bringing my camera everywhere... I figured, you know, what would it look like if on my weekend off I could make a few hundred dollars extra and it would go towards our wedding fund? Well, the pivotal part happened when my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got married in Jamaica and they wanted to forego the resort photographer so they offered to pay me a few hundred dollars to take some wedding photos at their wedding in Jamaica, which, how awesome, your first gig is a destination wedding. What? So I did it and I went all out. I figured if they're going to trust me with this, I'm going to figure this out. and do all the things so I was looking at blogs for inspiration and I just really wanted to do them proud you know this is a big deal and this is a lot to be trusted with and honestly guys I was in auto mode I didn't have any extra lenses or batteries or anything that anyone should have but somehow we all live to tell about it now, after that, I decided, wow, like maybe this could actually become a business. So I started a blog. I started blogging a lot. I then invested hundreds of dollars per month to start advertising that I was a photographer. And I also hired an accountant to help me make sure everything was legal and that I was making smart decisions with this brand new business. Within one year, I had booked 25 weddings, which allowed me to match that $50,000 salary and say sayonara, corporate world, my running Cash is done it is time to chase my dreams so let's dive in to the six lessons and I'll continue my story as I walk through these with you because I want to kind of take you on the journey of my photography business and how that's also allowed me to grow not just that business but other businesses that totally light me up and make me super excited to get to work every single day The first lesson I learned growing a six-figure photography business is that more isn't always more. Less is more. We've heard it, you know, sometimes it makes sense when we hear it and other times we're like, eh, maybe more would be more. But what I want for you to know as an entrepreneur is that more isn't always more. Now, let me break this down. The first year I was in business, I shot 25 weddings. The next year, 27. The next year, 30 weddings. And while I was on this upward trajectory, I knew that if I continued that way, I would be so burnt out. I would be out of the industry that I so deeply loved and I'd have to go to plan B, which nobody even knows what that is, right? So as I was booking more weddings, while that, you know, looked like success and felt like success in terms of the number, what it actually looked like in terms of my life was more work, more weekends away, more time spent behind my computer. And while I absolutely loved every single couple that I was working with, I felt like I was was struggling to provide them with this awesome, exceptional, custom boutique experience. So All of a sudden, I find myself in this year with 30 weddings and that may be a lot to you and that may not be a lot to you. Everyone's situations are different. But in Wisconsin, the wedding season is really from April to May all the way through about September to October. So it was condensed into about six months. I felt like I was running myself ragged. I was just trying to stay caught up in a float. I was putting on a happy face, but I was really stressed out and anxious. And for the first time in my life, I was dealing with severe anxiety. I was lacking sleep at night. I couldn't disconnect. I always felt like I was behind and it was just not a healthy place to be. And so after that year of 30 weddings... Drew and I sat down and I said, babe, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be done. Like, I can't even imagine doing another season like this. Like, if this is what it's going to look like, I got to figure out what else I can do because this just isn't the life that I thought I was going to build when I started this business. And so we sat down together and while I was making six figures, We said, all right, what's next? And so we said, what would it look like if you cut your wedding workload in half, 15 weddings a year? Sure, you might cut your income in half, but we were willing to do that. Like we were willing to do that to get my life back. And so we did that. I cut back all the way down to 15 weddings a year. And I can tell you the freedom I experienced and the way that I felt like I could actually invest into my clients and the summer that I actually was active and present for all of that paid off more than the extra revenue would have. With that, I was also able to raise my prices. I was able to afford to pay for outsourcing. So I got back even more time, which gave me the opportunity to start pursuing other things like education like watercolor, mentoring, all these other things. And the best part of this is, is that even though we took the risk and we cut it in half and we said, hey, we'll make do with less income, I actually ended up making a lot more money that year because I was able to pursue other passions along with my photography business. So lesson number one is more isn't always more. Stop trading your hours for pennies. You have to know your worth. You have to know your value and be able to communicate that, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. The second lesson that I would love for you to learn because it took me some darn time is mastering your craft. Now, this is coming from a girl who bought a camera on Craigslist not knowing a thing about cameras. I don't even know what lens was on there. I also shot in auto for far too long, but I can tell you that I would have lost a lot less sleep had I had known how to use my gear well. Well, I would have nightmares about dimly lit churches. I hated receptions. I was a girl who was faking it until I made it. And if I could go back and do one thing, it would be really to invest some time into mastering photography, in leveraging the gear that I had, in knowing with confidence that I could show up to a wedding and deliver awesome images. Now, if you're just starting out as a photographer, chances are you might have a fancy camera and you might not know exactly how to use it. And don't worry, I was there too. But I can tell you this one thing, it's not about the gear. It doesn't matter if you have a $5,000 camera or a $300 Craigslist find. What matters is knowing how to use it and use it well. Now, I never went into debt for my business. I never took out a loan to pay for gear. I built my gear collection little by little, and I used the sessions and weddings I was booking to help pay for the next thing. But even to this day, it is so funny when I speak at large photography conventions, people ask me what kind of gear I use. They're always shocked because I use pretty elementary things. I just know how to use them very well. So whatever it is you're doing, whatever sort of business you're running or service you're offering. Master your craft. Take the time to do that. It's going to take time, but time is going to pass anyways. And it'll give you this confidence that is absolutely priceless so that you can walk into any situation so that you can serve any client without second guessing if it's going to be worth every penny for them. Oh, what I would do if I could just go back and tell Jenna, girlfriend, spend some time with that camera, really start to get to know it. There are are so many amazing resources out there for you the third lesson that I learned and I love to teach this all over through all of my courses in all of my trainings and especially on this podcast here is that you are your biggest selling point you my friend you with earbuds in your ear you are your biggest selling point Now, especially when it comes to photography, if we're honest, we are all using the same gear, we're using the same editing software, the same presets, and to be entirely candid, our work is all starting to look the same. To me, I think that these days it is rare that you see an image that just stops you in your tracks, that you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before, that is insane. And you can't just rely on your work being your selling point anymore. I truly, truly believe that you as a human being, the person needs to be the connection point. If you want to run a successful business and you are the face of your business, you have to be the connection point. Now, let me give an example or kind of break this down in a way that might make more sense about this. In order for people to fall in love with the art or the product or the service that you offer, whatever it is that you create, in order for them to fall in love with the art, they first have to fall in love with the artist. If they know you, if they feel like they intimately know a little bit about you or what you're about or how you love showing up in the world, they're going to look at your art in a new way because they're going to feel connected to the heart behind it. And there is so much power in that. Now, when I first started out, I really, really dealt with imposter syndrome hardcore. I mean, I still do. And this is six years ago. I felt like such a fraud. I was a faux with an emphasis on the faux. And what I was so worried about was standing out. I didn't want to stand out. I wanted to blend in. I wanted to look like every other photographer out there because it meant that somebody wasn't going to find me out and say, hey, girl, I know you're working 50 hours a week. And that you're pretending like you're a photographer, but I know that you really aren't one You're just a girl with a camera That is what my fear was And so when I first started out, I did extensive research looking at everyone near me All of their websites and their Facebook pages and the way that they were doing things Because I just wanted to blend in I wanted to fly under the radar But I also knew that I needed to book clients Now, let me fast forward to today where I shoot a way less volume of weddings. I still make six figures doing it. But the blessing and the beauty in that is that I am providing this connection that leads people to contact me the minute that they get engaged. I mean, that was not how it was when I was starting out. When I was starting out, it'd be like, hello, I found you on the knot. What are your prices? And now it's like, Jenna, oh my gosh, you won't believe it. I just got engaged. Look at this literally happened minutes ago. When are you available? We'll plan our wedding around you. Very different scenarios. Took a long time to get from point A to point B. But one thing that so many people are forgetting, lesson number three, is that you are your biggest selling point. So what does that look like? You need to be all over your stuff. You need to stop hiding behind other people's images and start showing your face. It's awkward. Trust me. I am a terrible model. Oh, my word. If only you could see the things that my beautiful, handsome Instagram husband does in order to get photos of me that actually look a little bit normal. But Here's the thing. I have understood that if your photo is not in the top nine tiles of your grid, if we're talking Instagram here, you might have just lost your client because they're scrolling through and they want to know whose voice am I listening to? Whose images am I looking at? Why do I care about this person? Why do they matter? You want to hear us then, I post an introduction almost every single week. Why? Because I'm getting new followers every single day who might not know who I am. Maybe they just followed because they had a pretty feed. What would it look like, though, if I transformed just that pretty feed into a true connection where they felt like they knew me, where they actually appreciated that pretty feed because they understood the heart behind it? do not hide. Do not play small. Nobody gains anything if you play small. You are your biggest selling point And I want for you to understand that, to own it and to show up so that people can see your beautiful face. Hey friends, are you enjoying today's episode? Awesome, I thought so. I wanted to remind you about our free training coming up. You can sign up and join at photowebinar.com. There are five free live trainings all about how I doubled my photography income in two years while working less. Go to photowebinar.com, snag your seat, show up, and join me so that we can hang out live together and I can answer all of your biggest questions. Number four, This one's a tough one. Stay in your lane. (laughs) Oh boy, what a doozy. We have all been bit by the comparison bug, and I would gander to say that we all get bit by it daily. It's really hard as an artist in any field, in any field, I don't care what field you're in, to not fall prey to the comparison game. In fact, No matter what you do Comparison is a real deal And it's in your life And What happened was when I started paying close attention to what everyone else is doing in the industry, it influenced my work. It influenced the way I felt about myself. It influenced the way I spoke. It influenced what I thought I needed to be doing so that instead of just putting my head down and doing my best work, I found myself chasing my tail and trying to do all the things A, B, C, D, and E that everyone else was out there doing. And it wasn't authentic to who I was. And it was not exemplary of my best work. And I really, really could have gotten lost down that path. I think we all could. You know, it's really easy when you see somebody launch something new, like a new website, or they're doing some great big thing, and all of a sudden you're like, my website sucks, I need to redo it, or somebody posts their new logo, and all of a sudden you're in Photoshop trying to make a new logo for yourself. It's really easy to look at other people's work and be influenced by it without even realizing it. What are you looking at every single day? What are you pouring into yourself What are you allowing yourself to consume? I believe I shared this once already on the podcast, but one of the things that has really helped me is the idea of create and then consume. So you take your time, your best time when you're most productive in the day and you focus on creation. Once you are done creating, then go all out on Instagram or Pinterest or whatever that looks like for you. But if you can keep your mind free from clutter, free from the universe, free from social media and the screaming match that it has become, and you focus on creating whatever that looks like, whether it's a blog post or an email to your email list or a really epic Facebook post or a new freebie to serve your audience, whatever that looks like, if you can focus first on creation, And then you can go consume. It really helps for you to stay inside of your own head, to stop hearing all of those voices out there in the world telling you what you should be doing and just focus on what you know you need to be doing. Staying in your lane is one of the best things I can give you in terms of advice, whether you are just starting out or you have a six figure empire. When you can look at your life and say, what does success look like for me? And how am I going to make that happen for myself? You can really start doing your best work. It takes a lot to silence the voices. It really does. And you have to be really conscious of what you are consuming and how it is affecting the work that you're creating. Nowadays, I'm really cautious about who I follow on social media, not because I don't always love the people behind the feeds, but a lot of times within my heart, I have problems. I'll look at somebody's feed and think that I want that for my life, but then I back up and say, well, what the heck do they have to do to get to that point? And am I willing to actually do that work? And a lot of times the answer is no, I'm not willing for that. That's not my dream. That's their goal. They're going for it. Good for her, not for me. Amy Poehler said it best when she said that, good for her, not for me. Learn how to celebrate other success without having to question if you're worthy or you're worth it or if you're successful on your own feet and really just focus on staying in your lane. I always say chin up, head down, stay confident, but keep your head down, focus on your work and do it. I got to where I am today because I have had my head down for quite some time. I always laugh whenever I go to photography conventions because people will start name dropping and 90% of the time I have no idea who they're talking about because I don't follow a lot of photographers. Why? Not because I don't appreciate their art. It's because I know that I have to keep my blinders on in order to create the best things that I can create. It's nothing against artists. It's nothing against the other photographers. It's just something that I have to to really be conscious of in order to ensure that what I am presenting is a reflection of my heart, my eyes, the way that I'm seeing the world. All right, let me recap. Number one, more is an hour's more. Number two, master your craft. Number three, you are your biggest selling point. Number four was stay in your lane. And now on to number five, know who it is you are speaking to. Understanding your ideal clients intimately can change the game for you as a business owner, as a photographer. If it feels like you're screaming into the void or that you're not really resonating with your dream clients, chances are you're not totally positive on who they are. Let's back up to Jenna when she was starting her business. Now, this is what I did to help grow my business and it worked, but it's not who I am today. Back in the day, whenever somebody got engaged on Facebook, it was very clear because you could search under relationship status among your friends and search for engaged. So here is Jenna working this full time corporate job and trying to get enough weddings to leave that job. And so what I would do is once a week, I would click on the relationship status type of engaged and I would go through one by one and message every single one of my friends who is engaged and send them information about my wedding photography services now, this isn't something I would totally recommend, but back in the day, it was what I did in order to help fill my calendar. So I had a little message. It was cut and pasteable. It would say, hey, I noticed you're engaged. Huge congrats on that. I just wanted to let you know I am starting my own business as a wedding photographer and I would love to extend my photography services to you if you are in need of one or if you just want to chat a little more. Here's how to get in touch. Something along those lines. What I didn't understand at the time was that not every single bride and groom to be was my ideal client. I was just reaching out to the masses and hoping that enough people would say that they would pay me in order to make my ends meet. So, Nowadays, I'm able to be a really a lot more selective. God bless it, because I don't think I could go back to that hustle stage. But truth be told, I didn't know who my ideal client was back then. Actually, my ideal client back then was anyone willing to pay me to take a picture. (laughs) I mean, that felt dang good for a girl with a Craigslist camera. So... When you can understand and know, and not just sort of know, but intimately know who your ideal client is, it can change the way that you're marketing yourself. Nowadays, I haven't spent a single penny on photography advertising in years. In fact, ever since I had a six-figure photography business, I have not put a single penny into marketing because I don't need to. Why? Because I know exactly who I'm speaking to and I know how to speak to them. So what does that look like? I want for you to really think about who your dream client is. If you're not quite sure, think of a client that you've worked with in the past that you've been obsessed with where you're like, oh, my gosh, we could be best friends. I wish that I could do this work over and over and over again. It didn't even feel like I was working. Or if you've never had anything like that, if you could work with anyone on the planet, who would it be? Now look at those people that you've identified as like the top of the tier, you know, the cake topper of goodness. What kind of traits do they have? What sort of background do they have? What sort of education or jobs do they have? Where do they like to shop? What do they value? Where do they spend their money? What are they looking for when it comes to your service or product that you have to offer? How do they like to be spoken to? Where do they spend their time on social media? What's important to them in their lives? What are they passionate about outside of what you have to offer? All of these things are questions that you can ask yourself. To better illustrate this point, I'm going to tell you about my ideal client back when I first began and my ideal client today because they are light years different. So back when I first started, my clients were generally straight out of college. So about 23, they were about my age, actually, at the time, they were planning weddings and they were young. They were just out of college. They probably didn't have a big budget. They were stretching their pennies in order to have their dream wedding day. They were incredible people with the biggest of hearts, yet they really had to draw a line in the sand when it came to budget and photography. They generally spent about $2,500 or so on photography. They wanted all day coverage. So from the very beginning of the day to the very end, they valued throwing a good party for their friends. They weren't too keen on details or investing in certain services for their day. It was a lot of do-it-yourself type stuff. Now let me introduce you to the Jenna Kutcher client of this day and age. My client nowadays is in their 30s. They are generally doctors or dentists or lawyers. They went on with their education before they decided to get married. A lot of times they've also married or are going to be marrying people that have also gone on to further their education, like chiropractors, doctors, dentists, lawyers. The list goes on and on. They truly value the finer things in life. They also believe that less is more. So they want to have less details, but more extravagant ones. They really invest in quality over quantity. They like to shop at places like Anthropology and Kate Spade and Madewell because they see the value in timeless quality pieces. They love and have an affinity to their families, yet they are planning their own day and making their own decisions. And they are just really genuinely excited to work with somebody who is an expert in the area so that they can worry less about their wedding and experience it more. So the biggest mindset shift for me happened when I dropped my volume from 30 weddings to 15 weddings. And that mindset shift for me was this. I don't need to be the right photographer for every client out there. I don't need to be the chosen one for every single person who shows up as engaged on Facebook. In fact, I'm not. I am not the right photographer for all of those people. Instead, I need to focus my efforts on speaking directly to those 15 brides. That's it. 15 of them. I have to speak so clearly to them that when they land on my website or they fall on my Instagram or they get tagged in a Facebook post, they. They know that I am the perfect fit for them. It's a lot of details and verbiage and paying attention to what they value and communicating how you can make that happen to them. When I started being okay with only speaking to those 15 clients, when I let go of that desire to be the people pleaser and reach every single engaged couple, everything changed. Number five, know who you are speaking to. Know it well, know it intimately, and be really confident that you are talking to them in a way that resonates with them, that leaves them excited, knowing that you are the only choice for them. And here we go. We are on to the final point. Number six is build your business around your life don't build your life around your business. They say that entrepreneurs are the crazy ones who would rather work 80 hours for themselves than 40 hours for someone else. And it's true, it really is. But if you build your business like that and you don't start implementing workflow or outsourcing or expanding your team, your life is always going to be centered around this business. I remember when I felt like my business would crumble if I took a weekend off. Now I just took a month off and things kept running. I didn't miss a beat. My team was incredible. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make and one of the mistakes I made when I was first starting out was that I was only doing enough so that I could stay caught up. I was never taking the time to simplify things, to create workflow strategies, to invest in outsourcing so that I could free up more time. I didn't understand the value of my time. Let me give an example of this. Those first years at 25, 27, 30 wedding years, what I would do is I would shoot a wedding on a Saturday. I would start editing on a Sunday and I would edit that entire wedding from Monday until Friday. And then I would go do it all over again. I was spending probably 40 hours a week editing because I didn't have good workflows in place. I didn't have a system in place. And I knew that I just wanted to stay caught up week by week so that I never got behind. And so, what my life looked like was working seven days a week in order to spin on that hamster wheel and never get anything else done. While I had some sort of system in order to make sure that I was blogging every wedding and delivering every wedding, there was no system that was actually simplifying the process. It took me a long time to get okay with outsourcing, but I can't even imagine how different those years could have looked like if I would have traded $200 for 40 hours of my life back. $200. What was I thinking? I was believing the lie that nobody could do it as well as I could. I was believing the lie that only I could edit these images in a way that I loved. Jenna, there are people out there that love Lightroom. I don't necessarily love Lightroom. Why was I spending 40 hours a week in there? The funny thing is, is that whenever I talk about outsourcing, people always have excuses for why it's not going to work for them. But I want to tell you why it will work for you. When you can get to a point of less work and more life, you're going to be happier. You're going to be more fulfilled. When you can start to pay somebody to do the tasks that are either taking up a lot of your time or are sucking you dry or burning you out or making it so that you can't actually focus on things that move the bottom line, you're never going to make more money. This episode is titled Six Lessons I Learned Growing a Six-Figure Business. This isn't about six figures, guys. This is about doing what you love, getting paid to do what you love, and also loving your life. Yes, it is a gift to wake up and do what you love every day, but if you're not actively living and all of a sudden this thing that you love becomes something that you dread and then becomes something that you're so burnt out on, you think you'd rather be the fry girl at McDonald's, something's got to give. When you can build your business around your life, a life that has days off, that goes on vacations, a life that allows you to be present with your loved ones, a life that allows you to unchain from your desk and get out and see the world, oh gosh, guys, things would change. And if only I could talk to that girl that was so worried about pinching every penny that she didn't see the value in investing a few hundred dollars for every wedding so that she could get back that time in her life, Oh, what I would do to hug her and say, do it, just do it. Think about ways that you could make another $200 with those extra 40 hours. I could have booked one more session and outsourced that and made up the cost of outsourcing. I could have raised my packages $200 more and totally broke even when it came to outsourcing. If you are so set on your editing that it's just there's no way you're ever going to outsource that. What other things in your life could you outsource? Could you outsource your email communication? Could you outsource cleaning your home or making your dinners or whatever that looks like that is taking up time from your life? Take it from a girl that was too stubborn to understand that. One of the things that I love to teach is all about workflows and creating them and simplifying your life through templates and presets and things so that you're not constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting it to yield different results. Build your business around your life, not your life around your business. I don't care if you would rather work 80 hours for yourself than 40 for someone else. You shouldn't be doing that anyways. You shouldn't. I want for you to look back at this life of yours, this life filled with dream chasing and entrepreneurship and goals and, you know, all these things that you really love. And I don't want for you to say, gosh, I don't even remember that season of life. I was so busy or I was so burnt out or I was so anxious or I didn't even have any living in there. I was just working. I gave up glorifying busy a long time ago, and now I love to teach others to do the same thing. So let me recap one more time before I give you my closing argument for the biggest lessons I learned in growing this business. Number one, more isn't always more. If you can figure out how to do more with less, if you can figure out how to give a better experience with a lesser number of clients do it. If there is any way that you can cut down the volume so that you can get back to life, do it. Number two is master your craft. There are so many resources out there, both paid and free to help you have confidence in the skill that you are sharing with the world. Goodness gracious, if Jenna could go back and know how to use those lenses and use that flash, she probably would have lost a lot less sleep. Number three, you are your biggest selling point. I want to see your face. I want to hear your story. I want to connect with you before I ever connect with your work. Help me to do that. Number four is stay in your lane. Stop looking at what everyone else is doing. Stop comparing yourselves. Put your head down and do your best work. Number five is know who you are speaking to and speak clearly to them. Stop screaming to the masses and whisper directly to your dream clients. And Number six, build your business around your life and not your life around your business. There you have it, guys. The six biggest lessons I learned. I would love for you to learn more about my business and the photography aspect of things. And I'm just really excited to be able to teach the things that have taken me from a very high volume photographer to a low volume photographer with associates in terms of getting back my life and claiming that back so that I can still love the art of photography without having it be my entire life. Now, there are so many other lessons that we learn along the way. I would love to hear from you, the biggest lessons you've learned as you've chased your dreams. So head on over to my Instagram at Jenna Kutcher and let me know what lessons life is teaching you as you do these big dreams and chase them with reckless abandon. And until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger.